We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K Show. Kicking off the week with you guys here tonight on the Answer San Diego. Follow me on all the socials at Andrea K. Email me at andreakshow.com, andreakshow.com. I want to know if y'all heard or not heard. <laughs> Did you guys watch Saturday Night Live Saturday night? I doubt it. I doubt any of y'all watched it, but you might have heard a little bit about that on the news. I'm curious what you guys think about all of the attacks going on, not against the college presidents for actually going and defending the anti-Semitism on their campuses and actually refusing to say uh, that calls for genocide of Jews is against their code of conduct, but the attacks against the Republicans who held the hearing at the committee. I'm curious what you guys think, com. If you miss any part of the show, don't forget our podcast. You can download wherever you get your podcast. Much to get into tonight. So let me bring in my partner here because, you know, I got to have my, I've got to have my, um, the Robin to my Batman. Okay. The Donnie to my Marie, the red beans to my rice. He is my sidekick, my side dish, the one and only DJ Sesame Broccolini. I love me some Sesame Broccolini. This guy, fiery like a dragon, like a dungeon dragon, high heat, sesame, broccolini. You know, I did not watch SNL this past weekend, but I will say this past weekend, I did receive some weird text messages from Nikki Haley's campaign. So, oh no, did you really? Yeah, I've been, (laughs) she's been texting a lot of people. It's kind of a trending meme at this point. I mean, everybody and their grandmother's got at least one text from, hey, Riley, how's your weekend going? What are you up to? Like, uh, um, excuse me. (laughs) Uh, Interesting. I get some bizarre ones from the Biden administration, from uh, the Democrats about Biden. Somehow my phone number is in their system as though I'm one of them. And it's very entertaining. <laughs> it's so much fun to get a text message from them. I'm going to have to look uh, uh, for, for the latest so you guys can have a laugh. Speaking of not getting laughs, uh, the what's called the cold open for Saturday Night Live. Of course, they haven't been funny in literally decades, okay? I think the last time Saturday Night Live was funny was probably when Eddie Murphy was still in the cast, okay? Maybe Will Ferrell. He had some funny moments, but it has been decades because, of course, we all know Democrats destroy everything, including comedy. Wokeism kills, okay? So they decided to do a cold open, recreating the, trying to do a skit out of three college presidents refusing to denounce the calls to kill Jews. 
Um, who, who thought that was funny at all? No matter, even no matter how they decided to, to, uh, turn that into what they thought was comedy. How do you try to find a punchline in that? Right. Where's the punchline in the, the necessity for a hearing on anti-Semitism in the first place, let alone what happened, even before we get to to what happened, where is the punchline? If you're a Jewish American right now, you got to be asking yourself, how you can vote Democrat because Hollywood represents the Democrat party. And they actually thought there was a punchline to be had in what's going on in our college campuses and the calls for genocide against Jews. Then we get into the skit and the Democrats are trying to claim today that, Oh, you know, it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't defending these presidents of what they did. Oh no, it was, it was excoriating these presidents because it showed that they refused to give a straight answer. No, that's not at all. What happened What this skit did was attempted to try to push out the narrative to a bunch of low income voters out there that actually watched Saturday night live that actually watched the legacy media and tried to make Elise Stefanik look like, like a raging lunatic and therefore, the president, the president of the, the colleges, their answers were as a result of the lunatics screaming at them from the committee chairs. That's what this was about. In fact, it was so bad that one of the actresses whose name I didn't rec- recognize, let me see if I can find uh, her name here and see if you know who she is. Uh, she actually had um was uncomfortable and pulled out from doing the skit let me see if you know cecily or cecily strong do you know the name of this person's uh sesame i don't doesn't sound i don't know yeah um i guess she's a former saturday night live star since when have they even had a star who even knows the names of any of these hacks on this show but anyway she reportedly backed out of playing the character of elise stefanik on the show because she was quote uncomfortable with the uh with the skit um, she showed up for dress rehearsal and then changed her mind at the last minute. Smart. Um, some uh, alleged uh, comedian, uh, comedian named Chloe Trost uh, replaced her. And it was, and, and, the, and the SNL is trying to say, oh, it was rushed and da da. No, there's no excuse for what went down here. And particularly, we know that on top of it, you know, whether it's, uh, hopefully you guys have figured out by now, I know you know this, Sesame, but the coordination is clear and not just between the different media outlets and the talking points, but also with Hollywood. They all have the talking points. The narrative is all out there on the heels. How can they defend? Because the left, let me tell y'all, the Democrats are all in on the anti-Semitism, 100%. They are all in for it. And the memo went out that everybody has to act as though Elise Stefanik is the crank here. She was the problem in these hearings as a diversion, as a distraction away from the truth about what happened with these college presidents. To catch you up in case you didn't know, McGill, who was the president of UPenn, was forced to resign. She did resign over the weekend. And now there's increased calls given her resignation because the Democrats always expect that um, all they've got to do is, which took place, they came to the hearing, they uh, spewed their nonsense. Then when they was backlash against these particular college presidents, they issued their apologies the day after. And then when that didn't blow over, now they're in the best defense is a good offense approach. 
now that it didn't blow over and the UPenn president was forced to resign, now they've got to come in to stop Gay from being forced to resign, as well as Cornbluth or whatever her name is from MIT. Now they've got to actually go on the offense to save Gay and Cornbluth. That's what the Saturday Night Live skit was about. And that's also what was about when we had Republican. Because, see, you got to know that the Republican establishment is also all in, which is why you haven't heard any leaders in the Republican Party really coming out. They haven't heard a whole lot of them coming out demanding the resignations of these presidents. Um, Here you have former, I think Michael Steele was actually the head of the Republican Party at one point. And Michael Steele was actually on, I think it was MSNBC. And he actually went on, this is a Republican. This is how bad the Uniparty is in terms of their wokeism, their cultural Marxist movement to destroy this country, where you've got Republican establishment piling on, not against the anti-Semitism, but against Representative Elise Stefanik. Sesame, if you can play the clip. So that's the politics of it. Uh, and, and yeah, Elise sort of showed that when she said one down, two to go. So it yeah. sort of delegitimized her question to sort of prove it was all politics. How did Elise Stefanik coming out upon, upon hearing that an anti-Semitic president who, who went out of her way to avoid the protection of, uh, of not only went out of her way to avoid the protection of, of Israeli students, she actually demanded that Israeli students stop wearing the Star of David. That's what she did. And then, and this was after the fact that it was revealed at the hearing that University of Pennsylvania actually had a festival in September where they intentionally invited people who wore Nazi uniforms and carried balloons depicting Jews as pigs. So, of course, Elise Stefanik said, good, one down, two to go. How does that mean that what she said was, was political? And oh, by the way, this is political. It's for politics that the Democrats are reigniting the Holocaust and the hatred for Jews. The attacks on Jews in this country. Sesame, your thoughts on a former, uh, you know, head of the RNC attacking Stefanik in order to defend these presidents? Just deplorable. I mean, truly shameful. Look, this is, it's, it's incredibly disgusting to see how far and how frequently people apologize on behalf of this sort of genocidal movement. And the the the, the clear arguments, oh, well, there's limitations to... Look, I, I guess my, my overall take is that we should be able to condemn evil unequivocally and it shouldn't be political. Um, and this is all of this because all of this anti-Semitism, it's like you're saying, it's building towards something. We're, we're repeating history here. That's what's incredibly dangerous and concerning to me is to watch us relive the sort of same animosity and building of tensions and targeted attacks on Jewish people and anyone who comes to their aid that you saw throughout Europe with pogroms and ghettos leading up to the actual Holocaust in World War II. So it's concerning for a lot of reasons. And that brings me sort of this to this, you know, poll about, you know, certain a certain amount of Americans thinking the Holocaust is a myth at this point, because Democrats also like to rewrite history and revise history in order to justify their their hatred and their narratives about politics today, which is 
constantly what's going on. It's a giant psychological operation designed to mm-hmm. justify this incredible and irrational hatred of Jewish people and really anyone that criticizes leftism or leftists or poses a threat to their, their agenda in any way, shape, or form, or really is just written off as the bad guy. You don't even have to do anything at all. The, this is a... V- People act like this is a sort of victimless situation. There's a clear aggressor in this situation. Islamic Jihad is being unleashed upon the Jewish people. Um, and this global day of reckoning, this rhetoric that we hear, it's it's only intensifying with time. And I'm, I'm very concerned about what's going to happen. And I'm even more concerned about the, I guess, the gaslighting. To your point Mm -hmm. about the the media coming in and constantly telling people, no, white supremacy is the real threat to America, not, you know, anti-Semitism or Islamic Jihad or the people that chant death to America, death to Israel, curses to the Jews, which is what Hamas and Hezbollah and Boko Haram and many other terrorist organizations chant. And that's why they're they're, they're making it known. That's the real kicker, I guess, is. These, right. these evil groups, they don't make their agenda hidden. It's not a mystery. We know what they want. We know what they want. And we still do nothing. We apologize for them. We defend right. them. And of course, I guess well, the big kicker for me. The, yeah. Right. It's, it's because we're partnered with them. That's what's going on. Just like the Muslims and the Muslim Brotherhood was created um, with uh, Hitler. Before before the Holocaust, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, the, there's nothing progressive with the Democrat Party. They are actually regressing, trying to uh, trying to take us back, literally, in pre 1939 Germany is really is really where we're at, and that's why we've got the establishment of the uh, the uniparty system, including the GOP establishment, that is defending what's going on here. And it's because this is part of the cultural Marxist movement. They need to partner with the Islamist in order to transform us from a constitutional republic. That's what's going on here. And that's why the establishment has jumped in with them. And then part of the plan there is also to tie uh, Trump and MAGA to call us the anti-Semites. In fact, I've got a clip of uh, Cong- uh, Democrat Raskin who's attacking Elise Stefanik, and he goes on to say that the only, you know, who is she? Because she's the anti, real anti-Semite because she supports Trump. Sesame Broccolini, if you can play that. Uh, where does Elise Stefanik get off lecturing anybody about anti-Semitism when she's the hugest supporter of Donald Trump, who traffics in anti-Semitism all the time? She didn't utter a peep of protest when he had Kanye West and Nick Fuentes over for dinner. Nick Fuentes, who doubts whether October 7th even took place because he thinks it was some kind of suspicious propaganda move by the Israelis. And the Republican Party is filled with people who are entangled with anti-Semitism like that. And yet somehow she gets on her high horse and lectures a Jewish college. Just false. What? False. Wrong. Incorrect. False. I mean, this whole this whole October 7th atrocity has been quite a litmus test because so many progressives or former progressives have finally seen the anti-Semitism in the Democrat Party. And by the way, it's sort of just a historical little interesting thing here. You think about somebody like Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was radicalized by the intellectuals in Vienna. 
that he spent yes. his time with. Adolf Hitler is a is a testament to it's not about the education or the intelligence, it's about the values. And he was not some right Christian conservative American. No, no. Adolf Hitler was progressive, hanging out with the smartest, wealthiest mm-hmm. people in all the multinational, multicultural cities throughout Europe. It, it's just, again, re- rewriting history with propaganda. It's subverting the truth to make way for this very self-serving narrative. It's just so disgusting because it's so obvious to anyone who actually studies history. We are reliving it minute by Absolutely. minute right now. And there is, a- and there's, a- and, and first of all, um, that dinner with Kanye West and with Nick uh, Fuentes was like a year and a half ago. Trump didn't even reports are that Trump didn't even know the guy was coming. Kanye West just brought him. Um, Kanye West has made a couple of anti-Semitic report, r- remarks, and I think he's a disgusting human being. Um, but how in the world does that mean that Donald Trump has trafficked in anti-Semitism? He has not. His son-in-law is a Jew. His daughter is a Jew. His grandchildren are Jews. He is the most pro-Israel president in the history of the United States of America. How many presidents promised to take the U.S. embassy and to move it to Jerusalem? And Trump's the one who did it. The first president who's been to the Wailing Wall wearing a yarmulke. There is just, it is lies, lies, lies. And it's, and it's a diversion. And what we need in this country is American citizens to actually pay attention to do their own research and and get off from watching this legacy media stuff as particularly Democrat Jews. They need to get educated as to what's really going on here and who's really trafficking in anti-Semitism. And it's the Democrat Party. We're going to take a break. We come back. Guess who thinks he's God? Kind of. We're going to talk about that. We come back. Don't go away. This is the Andrew K. Show on AM 1170. FM 96.1 and streaming all over the world. Andrea K. Telling you like it is while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K. Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. Well, he was at, he was treated like he was God, literally over our lives during COVID. But some people are saying that an interview that uh, Fraud Fauci did uh, is is actually him saying that he doesn't need to practice religion anymore because he, his own personal ethics and who he is kind of makes him godlike. Um, I know you as a, as a practicing Catholic Sesame might take umbrage a little bit with what, uh, fraud Fauci had to say here. Um, so let's play this clip and then we can rap about it. There's the Green Chapel where Chris and I were married. That's where you were married, right? Yeah. 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 It's beautiful. Yeah. It's really nice. Do you still go there? Do you no. still, you don't practice no. anymore, do you? I don't. No. Why? Ah. Uh. A number of complicated reasons. Go on. We have a whole corridor. (laughs) First of all, I I think my own personal ethics on life are, I think, enough to keep me going on the right path. And I think that there are enough negative aspects about the organizational church Mm -hmm. uh, that you are very well aware of. I'm not against it. I identify myself as a Catholic. I was raised, I was baptized, I was confirmed, I was married in the church. My children were baptized in the church. 
But as far as practicing it, it seems almost like a pro forma thing that I don't really need to do. Well, yeah, if you think of if you're only there basically to go through the motions and, you know, as part of, you know, like brushing your teeth or whatever, you know, if, if you know, clearly he does not has not, in my opinion, you never know what's in the heart and the minds of the person sitting next to you. Um, but I do think that he's basically saying, I don't need to, I don't need to pray. I don't need to read the Bible. I don't need anything to do with Jesus Christ. I've got my own personal ethics. Therefore I am God. So that, that to me, you either worship a higher being or you worship yourself and he worships himself. Am I interpreting it wrong? Sesame? Well, I, I mean, from, from what I heard, it sounds like he acknowledges that there is God, one true God, the heavenly father, um, the unmoved I mover. I, I, did, I, I didn't hear him say that. He says he identifies as Catholic. If he was really baptized, raised in it, confirmed in it, he may. I, I don't know what's in, in his heart. I, I don't. So I just I don't know if he necessarily sees himself as God. What I heard from that was basically I don't need to have a relationship with God or with the divine creator because I'm perfect as is and my own guidance for myself is enough which is so misguided but for me the 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 thing that really i guess sort of irks me here is that he names a bunch of milestones sure you you go to mass on christmas and easter sure great but the fact that you don't practice that that's where the the real richness of being a catholic is it's something that's supposed to touch every dimension of your life it's who Mm -hmm. you are it's how you live it's how you treat people it's how you look at the world it's your values your vision you're not just catholic on sundays for one hour you're catholic all the time and for 1500 years before martin luther came along catholics were the only in the original christians so i have a lot of you know respect for the catholic church as a whole and i just uh, not a whole lot of respect for this current pope but for the organization i do have a lot of respect for it um it's just sad, I guess, because this is this is clearly someone who's so delusional and whose ego is so big. He's convinced himself. He really just sounds delusional. He's convinced himself that he doesn't need to live like a Catholic or live like a good person or follow in the steps and word of Jesus Christ um, in order to be a decent, good, upstanding person. And the idea that he's omniscient enough to know all the time what is right and what is wrong and then to act on that, it's just so... There's just a lot of ego and vanity here. I don't know if it's enough to say that he views himself as a deity or something, but clearly he's got well, a giant I, ego. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I don't mean that literally, but what I mean is, is, is if you don't, if you, you, you literally, everybody struggles a little bit. I do with think idolatry. it is a little bit of self worship, like you said. Well, I do yeah, think it's a little bit idolatry. of self worship. Right, because idolatry is really in, in anything that you mm-hmm. that you focus on more than the Lord, right? I mean, you know, you're struggling you're struggling with idolatry if your focus is always on material possessions, right? As an example, that's what you're worshiping, and so I believe that. And and, and he also goes on to say at one point in the interview, um, you know, uh, you, there's a lot of problems with the institutional church. You know that, like is he reading her mind or why did he happen to be in the middle of an interview right outside the sanctuary 
where uh, he and his wife got married. To me, the point of this interview was to was to slam religion. He just happens to be outside the sanctuary. They just happen to be having a conversation. He obviously knows that she believes that there's issues in the, quote, institutional church. One of the things that I feel strongly about was at play during the COVID situation was, it, 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 as it ties into the cultural Marxist movement, they have to replace God with state. Yes, They were yep. literally playing God, telling you the government's going to be able to stop you from catching a virus and dying. If you follow the steps that they give you to take in your life, you can walk up and down the beach, but you can't sit. I mean, that kind of level of control is literally playing God in our lives. And he was at the switch and he should have never been listened to. And it's one of the reasons why going on over COP28, the scientists, quote, climate scientists over there feel like they should have the, they should be in control of policy and be able to be in control of implementing policy, just like fraud Fauci. And no unelected bureaucrat, I don't, can, they, at, under the guise of science, should ever have control. He can shove the non use stethoscope right up his butt, okay? Because he is the world's largest serial killer in the history of the world because that's what he did while playing God. He literally killed people through denying them proven therapeutics to forcing hospitals, compensating hospitals and coming up with protocols to blow people's lungs out with ventilators and put people on remdesivir. This guy absolutely has a God complex. And let me tell you, we all have to go before the Lord at one point in our lives. And I wouldn't want to be him having to face the Lord when when his time is up. Not at all. All right. We're going to shift gears. We come back. Um, we got to segue to another person who's been treated like he's a god and he's a false idol in some ways, and that is Ukrainian President Zelensky. So we're going to discuss that when we come back. So don't go anywhere. He happens to be in the D.C. at the White House today. Gee, why was Zelensky invited over the White House? Shouldn't he be running a war somewhere? We're going to talk about it, so don't go away. Bringing the world a much-needed reality check. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Guess who's visiting? Guess who's come to town? Well, not my town. He hasn't come to San Diego. But on special invite from the White House, Ukraine President... Vladimir, Vladimir, however he calls it, Zelensky has trotted his way into D.C. Apparently, um, things are, you know, there's a, such a, enough of a break going on in the war over there that he can manage to come to D.C. hat in hand, actually not even hat in hand coming to ask for more money. He's coming here on the demand, okay? Um, no doubt wearing his best combat green T-shirt, you know, so he can look all, you know, warlike. So he can come and ask for more hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars uh, to be squandered away in the Ukraine money laundering scheme. 
Uh, one of the reasons why the Biden administration invited him here is that talks have broken down. Evidently, the Senate, I believe, did not approve the $100 billion that he wanted and talks have kind of stalled. And the I think we reported last week how the White House had tried to shame anybody and the Republicans saying that they were playing a game of chicken with our national security for daring to demand that the U.S. border be included in any kind of Ukraine aid package. I guess apparently you're an extremist if you want our border secured, but not an extremist if you want to continue to float money to a corrupt country over there to protect theirs. Joining me now to discuss is Dr. Shea Bradley-Farrell, president of CounterPoint Institute for Policy, Research, and Education in Washington, D.C. She is a foreign policy and national security expert with experience in international development. She's also written a book I want to get my hands on. It's called Last Warning to the West, and it's now available. And it has to do with how Hungary, of all places, had triumph over communism and the woke agenda. Uh, Dr. Bradley-Farrell, welcome to The Andrea K. Show. Hi, Andrea. Thank you so much for having me on. And you will definitely get your own signed copy of my book. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, the, uh, I, I was reminded of another warning book that was written years ago by Bruce Bauer that talked about while Europe slept. And that was the title of it. And it was mm-hmm. a warning not of how European uh, Europe uh, or Scandinavia conquered uh, the the conquest that they were under, but but how they had been conquered uh, by radical Islam, and it was a warning to America. We obviously ignored it. So I love uh, it, you know warning books that that try to wake the United States up to the threats that we face, and particularly when it's a story of success like this. So I'm super excited to read the book. Um, so, but Zelensky, he's in town. We'll talk more about the book in a little bit because I want to get okay. I want to get that insight as to how they were able to defeat the communism and wokeism, because that's really what's going on in the United States. And I've argued for years that we were under a um, partnership, a uh, between the Islamist and the communist for for takeover. And I think that's what's happening worldwide as a part to, uh, of an effort to destroy America. So I want to get to that a little bit later. But let's talk Zelensky okay. because okay. he was invited here and he actually I want to play a clip and get your reaction, doctor, because he actually criticized the U.S. Congress for being slow mm-hmm. and slow walking the money that's supposed to, I guess he's supposed to be given like a big fat debit card that he could just go and pull money out anytime he wants from the taxpayers. So I want to play this clip and then get your reaction. Let me be frank with you, France. If there's anyone inspired by unresolved issues on Capitol Hill, is just Putin and his sick click. They see the dreams come through when they see the the delays or some scandals and they see freedom to fall when the support of freedom fighters go down. Your reaction, doctor? Well, India, it makes me mad because this is an issue I've been working on for the past two years. And from the very beginning said we needed to negotiate peace between Russia and Ukraine because Zelensky 
and his corrupt government is laying the burden and the responsibility of this war in America's lap. He's not the only one, though, Andrea. If you look at what uh, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, said recently, he Mm -hmm. said that if we don't approve another $60 billion, that American troops, American daughters and sons will most likely have to go fight in Ukraine. Mm. So I just two points on this, Andrea. Nobody has been ever able to tell me ever why this is in our national interest. And I believe in the sovereignty of Ukraine, and I wish their people well. But over 400,000 Ukrainians have died. The defenses, this counteroffensive that they were supposed to have and be triumphant at has not worked. Um, So we are enabling a war that grinds on and on and on when we don't have the money to pay for it. And I will tell you something, you know, you will hear like former candidate uh, Mike Pence, you'll hear hear Nikki Haley say it's in our interest, but they won't really fully, fully explain why. Because here's the thing. We have been doing NATO exercises along Putin's borders for a long time, and he has been very clear that he doesn't want NATO close to him. And Ukraine, we were doing more and more security deals with them, and it made him worried. You know, I'm not a fan of his, but I can understand if he was doing uh, exercises along our Mexican border, we'd be worried also. If he tried to attack NATO, he'd have 31, 32 countries against him. He's not going to do that, Andrea. Right. No, he's absolutely not. And and that's what I have been asking from the beginning was what it, what about this is in our national interest? And the only response anybody can give me, oh, well, do you want Putin to take all, over all of Europe? That's not going to happen. And anytime somebody goes to that kind of false choice with me, I know I've already won the argument. Nobody can, and and particularly at this point, two years later, with the amount of money we've given over there with no accountability and no accountability for any money going forward. And particularly at the same time, we've also heard reports of how the money has been squandered by military leaders and others. And then on top of that, Dr. Bradley Farrell, there's also reports I can't verify whether or not uh, Zelensky has, uh, you know, um, political opponents in jail, like I'm I'm hearing that he has Mm -hmm. murdered political opposition. I don't know about that, but I do know that he has shut down all the political opposition there. He's also okay. shut down all of the media and turned it into state-run propaganda. There's nothing about this country uh, that that is worthy of our defense. Am I wrong? And No, you are exactly right, Andrea. You hit the nail on the head. Just a few months ago, you will find this buried down on the articles written about Ukraine. You have to read all the way to the bottom. Because just a few months ago, he fired his minister of defense and a lot of other top officials in the ministry of defense because they were skimming funds off of money that was going for troops food. Uh, We were seeing, uh, you know, like weapons payments being rerouted to accounts overseas going who knows where. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's rampant with corruption. It has been rated the second most corrupt country in Europe behind Russia. You're right about that. He's nationalized uh, the media there. He has outlawed his political opponents. We saw him closing churches. There is no presidential election 
because he's used the war as an excuse to keep that from happening, which is interesting because when the war started, I read an article uh, in the liberal media, something like New York Times or, or Wall Street Journal, I don't remember which one, but his people had been polled and they said at that time, they would like 53% of them would not vote for Zelensky again. So it's very convenient that he can now mm-hmm. you know, use war as an excuse to stop the elections. Well, yeah. And one of the things we hear from the left, and, and I don't know who, who you support if you're a Republican or Democrat in the presidential race, but what we hear if Trump gets elected, he's going to shut down. There'll never be any more elections. Well, the, if you believe that, why are you wanting to send money to a man who's already done that? And it's not even our own country. I want to shift gears, though, because your book just I'm really intrigued by your book because we are under a communist takeover in this country. It's all about centralizing power uh, to D.C. and um, and through the cultural Marxist movement is the way that they're doing it. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, we the Republicans always believed you could be socially liberal and, you know, and fiscally conservative. Not really, because I think as we've seen now, it's the wokeism that's destroying us and is a part of this communist takeover. How did, and you've documented in your book, Last Warning to the West, uh, Hungary's triumph over communism and the woke agenda. How did they do it? Wow, it's a it's a long story, but they continue to do it. And when where I became first like interested, see, I had gone over there really to do research about how they were holding off this woke agenda of the EU because they're the only ones, them in Poland and a few countries every once in a while also in the same area will stand against the wokeism. But they are saying no to the transgender ideology. It's angered the EU. It's angered the Biden administration. They've said no to illegal immigration. They have continued to stand for family values. So I went over to look at what was going on today. And I realized in the history, you know what? People kept telling me that the rhetoric coming out of the United States reminded them of their Soviet era. And I was like, oh, hold on. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, that's not a good thing. I heard that over and over again. And if you trace communism back to the Bolshevik revolution and what was coming out of Bolshevism at that time and Marxism, you, you'll find things like uh, the diminishment of parental rights, which are, we're seeing that today. And our, our uh, parents in the United States are standing up and fighting against us. But we're seeing that with a woke crowd trying to destroy that. The Bolsheviks also promoted legalized abortion as health care. You know, we're, we're fighting mm-hmm. against that yep. today. We see we saw the Bolsheviks dividing families from religion, dividing families from children, because if you take away somebody's foundation, what they believe in, what they rely on, then you can control them. You have a much better chance of controlling them. So that's just a few um, examples. Uh, Even Prime Minister Viktor Orban uh, of Hungary, you know, he was one of the freedom fighters to push the Soviets out. And he said, we've already had the woke agenda. He said, when I was in college, we had communism. It was this critical race theory is very Mm -hmm. much like the radicalized stuff that the Soviets were pushing on them. 
taking down their holiday, their uh, excuse me, Christian symbols off the wall, telling them they cannot celebrate their holidays anymore. You know, the things that we're seeing now where we're not allowed to celebrate our religion, our faith, be it Jewish or Christian, um, and, you know, our, our history being uh, really destroyed. Uh, the book is Last Warning to the West, Hungary's Triumphs Over Communism and the Woke Agenda, and it is by Dr. Shay Bradley Farrell. Thank you so much for being here. God bless. Andrea, thank you so much. It is available on Amazon, and if anybody would like to see the rest of our work, go to counterpointinstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter. And thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. Take it easy. And you guys, we're going to take a tiny little break, and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Dynamite in a dress, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on the answer, San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. If you missed this last segment or any part of the show, don't forget our podcast. Download it wherever you get your pod. We just had a great uh, discussion with Dr. Shea Bradley Farrell, who's written a book about how Hungary. Uh, turn things around from communism and wokeism, but we actually spent most of our time talking about President Zelensky, and she was actually in Trump's administration and is it truly a foreign policy expert. And so you heard it from a Trump admin official that there is no national interest for us in what's going on in Ukraine. Anything you want to add to this discussion, Sesame? Yeah. Uh, wow. So many diff- different approaches here and, and things to touch on, but I think one of the one of the core, you know, nuggets of truth here is really about the fact that we need to I guess we're sort of at a turning point in our country's history and we're involved in so many different foreign military conflicts and we just we don't we can't afford it and it's it's like death by a thousand cuts and it makes me think that maybe we're headed for decline because this is how many great empires and republics historically have have ceased to exist, right, is is being too thinly spread out across too many different continents with too many different battles going on without enough resources to sort of feed that war machine. And that's the thing is I get that war is a great business for Lockheed Martin mm-hmm. and Raytheon, um, but it's a terrible strategy for this country. And I wouldn't say that I'm an interventionist or an isolationist. I think we should make foreign policy decisions that benefit us. So if it benefits us to get involved or to have certain presences or certain troops on the ground, fine, like in South Korea or something where there's a strategic interest in maintaining a certain demilitarized zone or something. Sure. But I I don't, I don't really like to see this endless war, I guess, because it's also completely mindless. There is no real virtue to it. It's not noble. There's no real strategy. There's no real benefit. It's hurting our economy here at home. So coming up next hour, we've got Brian Maloney's going to be here from Red Wave America because we've got some interesting stuff to share with you guys as we are wrapping up the year and rapidly moving into Iowa in the next primary race. 
And speaking of Iowa, what presidential candidate's wife had to be corrected by the Iowa State Republican Party because she was actually encouraging people who aren't from Iowa to load up on buses and go to Iowa to vote for her husband. (laughs) Bueller, Bueller. Um, Let me add this if you didn't know already. What former alleged beauty queen sat next to her husband in an interview while he said nothing, by the way, encouraging people to get on buses from out of the state of Iowa? Let me give you another hint. She's probably taller than he is, and but at least she openly wears her high heels and she doesn't hide them in boots. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about that and more on the on the other side of the break. Hour two of tonight's Andrew K. Show is coming up. You need to be here. Stay tuned. <laughs> 